Hey friends, this is Josh Blair, and I'm the pastor of Central Valley Church, and this is our podcast. My prayer for the message you hear today, that it will inspire you and encourage you to walk closer with Jesus this week. If you want to stay connected with us, please check us out at CBC Madera, both on Facebook and Instagram, and you can check out our YouTube channel, Central Valley Church. Thanks for listening. So this week, we are, or we're continuing in our Bible reading plan series as we as we uh, continue to move through the entire Word of God, and uh, I believe that it's bearing fruit in your lives, and I encourage you to continue to do that. This last week, though, we read probably the most boring texts um, in all of Scripture. Uh, stuff that you were just like, how, is there, how fast can I listen to this? How fast can I go through? Uh, those of you who maybe allow the Bible to read to you, you have it on like two, three times as fast. Right? As a father, was a father, was a father, but there was a father, and you're like, okay, get through all these. You know, there's a lot. Especially First Chronicles, the first eight chapters of Chronicles is genealogy. And it's a lot, it is, and it's boring. And you can say that sometimes there are some scriptures that just don't touch you the way that you would hope, right? That's probably not any, you're probably not memorizing those scriptures out of those eight chapters and say, Lord, when I'm going through some tough times, help me to remember who begot who, you know? You're probably not going through there. And just like me, you, you probably said, what is the point of this? Uh, and and uh, how can this scripture that I'm reading, how is it impacting my life? How is it changing me? How is it transforming me? What is it doing to me? Because we know that what Paul said to Timothy in 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17, he says, all scripture is God-breathed, and it's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training, and righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And you have to say, okay, Paul... Are you talking about these scriptures too? Because Paul could have said, all scripture is God-breathed and is inspired to equip you and strengthen you, except, like everyone knows, 1 Colossians, 1 Chronicles, sorry, the the C's got me. 1 Chronicles 1 through 8, don't worry about that. That's not going to help you at all, right? He doesn't say that, though. He says all, say all. all. All scripture is breathed from God, inspired By him to encourage us, rebuke us, correct us, strengthen us, equip us, teach us. And I had to ask myself, how is this teaching us? How does this teach me? And more importantly, as as God is revealing it to me, how do then I teach you that there is life in these scriptures? Because there are. Because in these eight chapters... All inspired by God, they have a purpose and a reason for being there. They have a reason and a purpose. Although distinct for the nation of Israel, that purpose and that reason still speaks to us today. And so I'm going to do something that most pastors don't do. I'm going to, I'm going to teach from these genealogies today. And everyone said, yippee. <laughs> You're like, I hope. There's so much good text in there. I hope he speaks on the genealogies, right? But I have to believe that there's something in this text that gives us understanding and helps to teach us and to correct us and to reprove us and to equip us, believe it or not. And I believe the Lord's going to reveal to us that this morning. Before we go to the text, let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word, that it is alive, that it is moving, that it is 
breathing into us, and as we continue to submit our hearts, our lives, and our wills to your word, you radically transform us from the inside out, change the way we think, the way we process, and the way we perceive. And we pray this morning that, God, you would speak to your people through your word today. God, remove all distractions and everything else and help us to see you more clearly by the power of your Holy Spirit working in us. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. As we've been going through these genealogy chapters, I was thinking, what is this about? Why, why, you know? And we get to chapter six, and there's a verse in there in chapter six that uh, for those of us who know the biblical story, who have read the Bible before, we can blow right past this verse and think nothing of it and still struggle to understand why the genealogies are there. But here in chapter six, in verse 15, the author throws this statement in that is, that is bigger than we get it, give it credit. And as we've been reading through the Bible, and we've seen how God has chosen to bless these people, this family, starting in, with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and his, and his 12 sons and their descendants, making a nation for himself that says, I'm going to bless you so that you can bless the earth, that the world will be blessed through you. He, he led them to a land that he promised to them. He brought them out of slavery. He settled them into a kingdom and then he declared blessings to them, but also he said, if you don't follow my ways and you don't do what I've asked you to do, there will be curses that come upon you. There will be stuff that happens to you when you come out from underneath my protection. And they've had rough moments up to this point. We've read through the Bible, and they've had rough moments. They've had moments where they didn't believe God. They had moments where they weren't trusting him, but yet they still remained in the promise. But as we're reading through these genealogies, there's a spoiler here in verse 15. Spoiler alert. If you're thinking, hey, Israel got it figured out and you don't know history at all. Maybe you're thinking, oh, man, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ruin that for you a little bit because Israel fails to keep God's commands. And in verse 15 of chapter 6, it says, Jehozadak, or jo Jehozadak, was deported from when the Lord sent Judah and Jerusalem into exile by the hand of Nebuchadnezzar. Spoiler alert. They got taken away. They were taken captive. And up to this point, they'd been, we'd been reading who fathered who and who had what and where they came from and what was their land and who belo what belonged to what. And in this verse, dropped right here in the middle, gives us a ton of insight about the genealogies. The first thing that we should notice about this verse is that as we're paying attention to our Bible plan as Israel failed to stay faithful to God. And we understand that uh, because of the words that God spoke to the people through Moses in Leviticus chapter 26, Moses tells them, if you are not faithful to God, these things will happen to you, starting in verse 14 or 26. He says, look, if you choose not to remain faithful, if you break covenant with me and you chase after other gods, eventually there will come a time when another nation will come and pronounce judgment on you and carry you away from this land. And the Lord, the Lord warned the people through Moses that if you broke this covenant, I'll carry you away and I'll take you from the, your homes, your lands, and I'll scatter you among the nations. And in verse 15 of chapter 6 in First Chronicles, right there, 
In all of these genealogies, we see the first glimpse of what this is about. Now, for some of us who have read the Bible and we've gone through it, it's not a surprise to us, but, but we know that Israel has failed and they've been carried away. But because of that knowledge, we sometimes glance right over this verse. But the purpose of First and Second Chronicles was to give a history to a people who did, not, who did not know their history. It was to give people who had been taken away and removed from their history and had no idea who they were or what they were supposed to do. And the author of Chronicles said, these people need to know where they come from, who they are, and what they're supposed to do. The nation of Israel was taken into captivity because of their sin, and they were removed from their land, removed from their homes and their history. And so Chronicles acted as an inventory list for the people who were to return to the promised land after their, their captivity was over. See, Chronicles, the genealogy, is a list of hope and a list of significance. The Lord told them in that same portion in Leviticus 26 that after a while, after they'd been carried off into captivity, he, once they became humble in that foreign land and their pride and their sin was broken, he said that I will bring you back. I'll bring you back. And as you turn from your sinful ways and you hear me, I'll hear you and I'll remember my covenant with you and I'll bring you back to the promised land. And this is what we're seeing here in these genealogies. It was really important for them to know who came from where? What tribe was with what tribe? What land belonged to who? And what they were supposed to do? Because it, way back, if you remember Abraham, when he was beginning, or when uh, Jacob, I, uh, Israel, Jacob Israel was blessing his sons, he began to speak blessing over each tribe. And this is what you'll do. This is where you live. And this is what's going to be like. You're going to be at the sea and you're going to do these things. And now they've been separated because of their sin from the promise and their inheritance. And yet now God is saying, I'm trying to remind you of where you came from, what your inheritance is, and what you were created for. These genealogies played that role for them. Essentially, these genealogies served as a map back to their family homes, back to their land, and back to their duties. And this was especially important for the tribes of Judah and Levi, because they had very specific tasks and special tasks in the nation. Right? The tribe of Judah, Jesus said, uh, I mean, God said through the prophecy of Jacob as he blesses his sons, he said that the scepter would never depart from the tribe of Judah, meaning the king, that would, the, the, the kingdom will be established in this tribe. And the nation of Israel also had a hope of a future king who would come like David, a Messiah who would be set up and reign over all. And they needed to know the genealogy of Judah to know where the king would be coming from. So it was important for them to know where they came from and who was a part of who. The tribe of Levi was told that they were going to be the workers uh, in the tabernacle and setting everything up, especially those who were in the line of Aaron because they were going to be the priests who oversaw all, all these things and the sacrifices. So they had a special role. So they needed to know who went where and what was do, what they were called to do. And all of these lists of genealogies were really important to verify their identities so that they could reinstate things when they returned to the land. And I know that it seemed boring as you read it. I know it was boring, okay? If you ask me right now, what was the third uh, generation of 
who begot who, I couldn't tell you. And that's okay. But don't beat yourself up, okay? You're like, oh, I just can't memorize this part of Scripture. It's all right. I don't know really anybody who has. And I understand that it can be boring for us. But for them, they weren't just lists. For them, they were life. See, they weren't just lists for them. They were life. They were, these genealogies determined their jobs and where they lived. And I see these genealogies really as a lifeline back to God and his promise. Can I get a lifeline this morning? See, these, that was a great throw. These genealogies anchored the people back to their hope. See, they were lost and they were drifting, broken and abandoned. And yet God said, I've got a plan for you still. I have a lifeline that will anchor you back to the promise and back to your inheritance. And for us, it was like, this is super boring. Why am I reading it? But for them, it was a lifeline back to their calling, back to their identity, back to their direction and purpose. See, they had sinned against God. They gave up their blessings. They lived in the land of promise, and yet they weren't satisfied because they chased after everything else besides holding on to the promise. And they were removed from the land, but God... And his faithfulness did not leave them floating adrift at sea. He said, I'm going to write these things down for you so that when you return, that's hope, so that when you return, you know what you're returning to. And you might be returning back to something that is not the way you left it, but it's going to be something that has a foundation that you can build upon again. And these genealogies served a purpose they were the lifeline back to God's promise. Give me a little tension there, bro. So that as things got rough at sea, they could hold on to their promise. They could look back and say, I belong to this tribe. I belong to this family. I have an inheritance. I have a promise. I'm not alone. I'm not isolated out here. I'm anchored to something that gives me hope. And to people who don't know their history and don't know their, where they came from, these genealogies was a lifeline to say, this is who you are, and this is where you belong, and this is what I've called you to do. If you're following and making notes this morning, or you have the YouVersion Bible app with you, you can read along. And my first point is this, that these genealogies told the people who they are. If you want to write beside it, right, identity. It gave them their identity. The second point is that these genealogies told them where to go. They didn't know what land was what and what boundary was whose. But the genealogies laid it out and said, this land belonged to these, this family, and you can return back here, right next to that right direction. It gave them direction. The third point these genealogies told them what to do. It gave them purpose, right purpose. 
It showed them identity, direction, and purpose. And these genealogies gave them these things. And it reminded them that God never abandoned them. God never forgot about them. God never removed their identity, even while they were in sin. God never cut the lifeline back and removed the direction of their life. God, because of their their sin and their rebellion, he never removed their purpose. It was always still anchored in him. Why? Because he is a covenant God. He is a faithful God. Even when you're not faithful, he is faithful. And he's holding on to the other line and saying, if you'll hold on to me, I'll bring you back into your identity. I'll bring you back into your purpose. I'll bring you back and, and give you direction. These genealogies played this role even in the midst of their sin, even while they were living out the punishment for their sin, God had an anchor. God had a lifeline to pull them back into the ark of safety. To me, these genealogies showed God's faithfulness. That through every generation, every trial, no matter where they were, God never abandoned them. He never forgot about them. Can you imagine for generations and generations, as the, the author was being inspired to write these things down, God was inspiring him to know exactly who had who? What does that mean? God saw every generation, every person, everyone, because he never took his eyes off them. Never. Even in their rebellion, even when they were living in wretched sin, he says, I know who you are. I know who your son and daughter is. I know who their son and daughter is because he never walked away from them. There's a song that came out with uh, Elevation Worship in Maverick City called Gyra. Whew. Don't even get me started. If you haven't listened to that song yet, do it. Put it on repeat. But the bridge is fire. I love it. Every bridge is fire, you know. That's why we want to sing it like 47 times. But in that it says, if he clothes, if he dresses the lilies in glory and splendor, how much more will he clothe you? And it says, and if he watches over every sparrow, how much more does he love you? Obviously, they're taking that from Jesus' words in Matthew. But I listen to that and I weep because I'm, rem I'm reminded. And as I read the genealogies, the Spirit of God began to speak to me. And I was like, no way can you talk to me through the genealogies. No way. He says, if I've watched every sparrow, then why would you think that I've forgotten about every generation, every person, every family? I've seen them and I've known them. And that gives me hope for today. Because some of us, have turned our backs on God, have walked in the different direction. And he looks and says, I haven't forgot about you. I haven't turned my back on you. If you'll reach out and grab this, I'll pull you back into safety. If you'll reach out, it's there waiting for you to turn back. His eye has never left us. If he watches over the sparrows, how much more does he love you? How much more does he love you? See, these genealogies, we have to ask ourselves as we've read through them, how do they teach us? 
How do they correct us? How do they encourage us in the faith to be equipped for every good work that God has called us to? And where does it challenge us in our lives? So I have to ask myself, and I would hope that you would ask yourself too this morning, what's my lifeline? What am I holding on to? Where do I find my identity, my direction, and my purpose? For the nation of Israel, these genealogies, that was their lifeline back to their identity, their direction, and their purpose. But what is your lifeline? What do you hold on to? Maybe you think, my family. My family is where I get my identity. My family is where I get my direction. My family is where I get my purpose. And thank God for families. He instituted families. But can I tell you, sometimes family is not the best anchor. Sometimes family is not the best lifeline. But sometimes we put way too much hope in them and in the wrong area. So is it your family that's your lifeline? Maybe it's your career. And you invest all your time and energy into your career because you think this gives me identity. This gives me direction. This gives me purpose. Maybe it's the culture. You let the culture define your identity. Maybe the culture is what gives you direction. Maybe our culture gives you, defines what your purpose is. Or your friends or your intelligence or how, how hardworking you are. All of those things you say about yourself is what tries to anchor you and give you something to hold on to. What are you looking at? What am I looking at to give me these things, to give me my identity, my purpose, my direction. And I have a wonderful family. And I love pastoring. And all these other things that life has to offer, but none of these things can give me my identity, my direction, or my purpose. See, only Jesus can do that. Only Jesus is the true lifeline. Jesus is the one where all of our genealogies should start. Because when he went to the cross, he says, now I've adopted you into my family. And I've put your name down in the list of my genealogies. We call it the Lamb's Book of Life. And he writes down. And what I see as he writes down who begot who in the faith. They shared their faith and they begot these believers. And they shared their faith and they made disciples. And they shared their faith and they fathered and they mothered. And they discipled them and them and them. And then it goes on for generations because Jesus says, you're a part of my family. And I'm adding you to my genealogies. So that you can see where your identity comes from. You can understand what your direction is in life. And you can understand your purpose. Jesus gives that to us. He shows us who we are. He, show, he, he calls us to do what he desires for us to do. And he tells us where to go. He gives us direction. See, grab a hold of your lifeline today. Our lifeline looks a little bit different than this. Our lifeline looks like this. This is a Bible, if you didn't know. See, this Bible is what's going to help you 
be grounded in Christ. So that as the waves of life hit you, as you begin to struggle through the storm, God says, I have given you a lifeline that will help anchor you and bring you back into an arc of safety. That will help give you and understand your identity in me. Will give you direction and help you understand your purpose. He's given us a lifeline today, church. And it's called his word. See, without his word, we would not be able to know God. God is so much greater than us, so much higher than us. His thoughts are so much greater and higher than our thoughts that we have no way of fully understanding him unless he reveals himself to us. And he does it through nature. We can understand there is a creator, but to know who the creator is, we have to know his word because it reveals to us Jesus. And this morning, I want to encourage you to get in and hold on to the anchor of our faith the lifeline of our faith that grounds us and pulls us back and draws us closer to Jesus every day. See, hold on to the word of God. But the beautiful thing is our God is such a generous God. He doesn't just give us text to read. He gives us people to live with. He gives us a family and he gives us community. And so that you don't have to do it alone. You don't have to be isolated alone. See, in the early, early church tradition, after the mid-first, second century, after the church was established, there were some who said, I, I, don't, I can't handle this world, and they became, uh, they called them desert fathers. They went out and lived out in the wilderness by themselves, and they just wanted to spend time with God and no one else. A lot of them went crazy. Why? Because we're not made to be isolated and alone. God gave us community for a reason. God gave us the body of Christ for a purpose. And so this word, as we hang on to it, and we hang on to each other, we're going to know our identity. We're going to know our direction. And God's going to give us our purpose. But we got to hang on to it. Don't let anything rip these things out of your life. Don't let COVID rip these things out of your life. Don't, don't forsake the gathering of brothers and sisters together because there is hope there. There is life there. And God gives us direction there. And my heart is heavy for some who are still struggling to come back into the body of Christ. I can tell you, don't let go of it. Those of you who are online watching, hang on. Hang on. You're a part of our family. We belong to each other. We belong to Jesus. See, your, your life has tremendous value and it matters to God. I read these genealogies and that's what I hear the Lord saying. Your life matters to me. It matters. Your children matter. Your marriage matters. Your life matters to God. See, if God kept track of every name and every generation to give his people direction, why wouldn't he know your name? Why wouldn't he allow you to be a part of his genealogy that will impact generations that will follow after you? Uh, I've been impacted by a genealogy of faithfulness in my family. My grandfather, 97 years old, 96 years old, sorry, Grandpa. (laughs) 
next year, 97. He started following Jesus. Gave his life to Jesus at a park. Because of his faithfulness, my dad and his siblings know Jesus. Because of their faithfulness, my mom's, my mom on my mom's side come to know Jesus. Oklahoma was a very special place for us because a lot of people got saved in Oklahoma. Thank you, Oklahoma. And your faithfulness, your faithfulness helped me. My faithfulness will help my children. And I'm grateful. But maybe you're here this morning and you say, I don't have a legacy or a a genealogy of faithfulness. Can I tell you? Let it start with you. Let it start with you. Say, my life, my faithfulness to Jesus, I'm going to hang on to this so that generations after me and my family will know him and will have a lifeline through this life. And they won't become adrift at sea, being tossed to and fro by the waves and the wind, but they'll hang on to Jesus. Let us start with you, because God is faithful, and he loves you. He loves you. Let your life be the first of many who will follow Jesus. Just hold on to him. Grab a hold of his word, and don't let go, no matter what. No matter what. Allow him to show show you your identity, give you direction, so that you can walk in your purpose today. Amen? As the worship team comes forward, let's close our time out this morning. Thank you, Jesus, for your lifeline that you've given to us. Thank you, Jesus, that you've never forgotten us. Thank you, Jesus. That if we'll hold on to you, you'll see us through every storm. Thank you, Lord. With every head bowed, every eye closed this morning, I have to ask you, what are you holding on to today? Where have you put your hope? Where have you looked to find your identity, your direction, and your purpose? If it isn't Jesus, you're going to be lost in this world. My challenge for us is to hold on to Jesus today. To reach out and take a hold of Jesus. So for this morning, if you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus, now is the time to reach out and take a hold of him. Now is the time to say, Jesus, I need your lifeline. I've been drifting. I've been lost. I don't know who I am. I don't know my purpose in life. I don't have any direction, but I want to find it in you today. You want to give your life to Jesus today and hold on and reach out and grab the lifeline that he's given to you And I want you to repeat these words after me. Say, Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for giving me life. Thank you for dying for me so that I could be set free. Forgive me of my sin. 
forgive me of doing life my way. I turn to you now. I put my trust in you. I put my hope in you. And I take a hold of you now. I'm going to find my identity in you. I'm going to find my purpose in you. I'm going to find my direction in you. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. You prayed that prayer for the first time or first time in a long time. I want to know about it. We want to know about it. You can let me know. Come up, talk to me after service. If you're online, you can put it right there in the chat. I accepted Jesus. I'm going to hold on to Jesus. For the rest of us, if you'll stand to your feet this morning. I want you to keep this visual in your minds and ask yourself, what am I holding on to? What am I holding on to? You might have a relationship with Jesus. You've surrendered your life to him, but perhaps because of the craziness of life or the chaos of what's around you, you maybe began to hold on and reach on to other things and grab for other things to find your purpose or direction or identity. And Jesus would say, no, let go of those things and hold on to me. Let go of those things and hold on to me. I am your lifeline. I'll bring you back into what you're called to do. I'll help you find your way. But hold on to me. Hold on to me. So maybe that's you this morning. And I'm just going to take 30 seconds if you'll close your eyes and bow your heads. Ask the Holy Spirit, is there anything that I've been hanging on to? Is there anything that I've been hanging on to? whether it's success or finances or job security or friendships or other things that you're trying to find your identity in, the Lord would say, you know, find it in me today. Take a hold of me today. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We thank you, Jesus. As the Holy Spirit begins to bring those things to your mind and just allow him, listen to the sweet whisper of his voice, say, yes, son, daughter, you've been putting hope in this and putting trust there, but those things won't satisfy. Those things won't anchor you and those things won't pull you back. So today, put your trust in me. Take a hold of my word. Take a hold of this family I've given you and don't let go. Don't let go. I'm going to pray a prayer over you right now as the Holy Spirit's speaking to you. Right now, Lord Jesus, I thank you for your word. That all of scripture is God-breathed. And it is important and gives us life and corrects us, teaches us, and equips us to do all good works for you, Jesus. I thank you for your word, and I pray right now as you're speaking to our hearts that we would surrender those things, God, that are pulling us in the wrong direction, let go of them, reach out and take a hold of you. 
take a hold of your word and allow it to be the lifeline of our life. Jesus, forgive us for the moments we've turned to seek after other things. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your grace. Even in our running, the lifeline has always been there. Even when we went in a different direction, you were always there ready to pull us out. And we thank you, Jesus. Today we commit our hearts, we commit our lives to holding on to your word. Surrendering our lives to you. You are the only lifeline we have. Thank you, Jesus, for your love. Thank you for this body that you've allowed us to be a part of, this community of faith where we can walk with each other into our inheritance, into the land that you've given. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message. To hear more messages like this one, be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel to hear past episodes. If you like what you're hearing, be sure to rate it and share it with your friends. It helps us out a lot. If you're interested in supporting the ministry of Central Valley Church, go to CBC.